Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. And then here's the last one, and it kind of brings everybody into this, and this would be everyone is required to be gentle. It's taken from the book of Titus. Chapter 1 talks about godliness in the church. Chapter 2 talks about godliness in the home. And chapter 3 talks about godliness in the world or society. And this is taken from chapter 3, so it's godliness all around us. So it says, remind them. Who's them? That's everybody who's a believer in a church. And it goes on to say, to be, uh, I mean... Pause for moments. You, you go too far in that. Any believer, whether or not you're in a church, but if you're in the universal church, you're a believer. So it refers to every one of us. Then it says, and by the way, one more thing. There are seven hallmark characteristics here of every believer in this passage. There are seven of them. Let's look at them quickly. It says, Rem- remind them, which means that we have a propensity to forget. That's why I'm reminding you, you're reminding me. To be subject to rulers, that's number one. Subject to rulers and authorities. Number two, one of the hallmarks of us, a characteristic, is to be obedient. Then it says, to be ready for every good work. In other words, we have our time, we have our schedule, we're prepared, we know, we're spiritually prepared to do good deeds. Then it says, to speak evil of no one. Then it says, to be peaceable. Then it says, gentle. And finally, number seven is showing all humility. And I like the last three words, to all men. That would be even people who are contentious to us. Those that want to come against us. Those that are trying to pull the rug out from under us. Those that want to argue, put us down, dominate us, control us, affect us. All people were to show the signs of subject to our authority figures, government rulers, people in the work field, students, those of you that have teachers and others, coaches, to obey, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. So if you put all of those together, that might help you to personify the biblical trait of gentleness. Now let's go to number three. How is gentleness illustrated in the scriptures? We read a long passage of scripture here, and what I'd like to do is I want to show you what Christ is doing rather than the actual story here. I want you to see what's happening so you can see the gentleness as it's displayed in a situation that is very, very challenging. And to do this, I want you to come up for air for just a moment. I want you to think about a time that you are being publicly um, come against, whether it's on the job where you are publicly being uh, admonished or ridiculed for something you didn't do, something that came against you, Some of you kids that feel like your parents are attacking you, I'm saying that in quotes, attacking you in public around your friends or they're embarrassing you. Some of you that are wives that are feeling at times that this is coming against you and you really, first of all, don't deserve it. You're not as bad as this barrage of negativity coming at you. For whatever it is, something is happening against you that you did not deserve, you did not ask for, you are doing what you are normally doing for life. And the only difference is, and I don't want to minimize your pain, we all have these scars. This was Jesus Christ who never did anything wrong, and what was coming against him was going to be the most horrific social, emotional, and physical pain he could ever experience, let alone a moment when he and God the Father would be separated, when he took all the sin of all mankind on himself. All of that to someone who didn't deserve it. 
Now, when he's doing that, here's the model of what he did that might help us when we are put in a position of not being gentle. All right, first of all, Jesus showed gentleness in his request. All right, let's look at it. So as he's talking, and Judas who betrayed him also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, so in other words, he had military people, political people, military people, he had religious people, and so Judas was gathering his own little motley army there, and they came with lanterns and torches and weapons. So you might want to underline the word weapons. So he was coming with all the people he possibly could to come against righteous Jesus, and they were coming even with weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? Now, we know Jesus already knew that, but he was putting the, uh, I don't want to say cards on the table, because that's maybe too secular for some of you, but he was identifying the elephant in the room. Here's what's happening. Now, for just a moment, let me bring us into this thing. Notice what it says here, knowing all things that would come upon him. You and I need to know that there'll be things that'll come upon us because as we live in this world, the world system will come against our beliefs. They're going to come against the way our lifestyle at times. So we already ought to know this, just like Jesus knew this. We ought to know that people are going to come against us. Now, let's say it's not. Let's say it's someone who knows better. Oh, this is horrible. Let's say it's even me, and I hope I don't. But let's say I come against you in an ungentle manner. What you can do, knowing all things, like Jesus did, you could know this. Oh, you'll know that he shouldn't do it. He's a preacher. Or number two, maybe they ought to fire him. Number three, <gasps> will be your response. Or you could say this. You know, our pastor still has the same old nature that I have. So you need to know that all those people around you, even if they know better, shouldn't have done it, they heard my sermon on gentleness, they still have the old nature. So you could ask a question. What are you doing? What's going on here? What, what's happening? So ask a question. Number two, the reply. They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And notice that Jesus said to them, I am he, and Judas who betrayed him also stood with him. It's interesting that Jesus didn't back down. He couldn't because he was telling the truth. So even when people come against you, watch this now, gentleness does not mean you have to capitulate on what is right. It doesn't mean that you have to back away from what is right. You can still say, yes, this is it. This is how you believe. But you can do it without being cantankerous or angry. I'll show you that in just a moment. So the people who came against him, they stood against him, and yet he still held the ground. He replied with truth, even though he was gentle. You can reply with truth, so you don't reply unkindly when kind, unkindness is given back to you. Number three is the response. This is what I wanted to get to. Now when the Lord said to them, I am he... They drew back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, Who are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I've told you that I am he. Therefore, you seek. if you seek me, let these go their way. Now, notice something interesting. It didn't say Jesus sarcastically responded, I already told you. He didn't do like that. He just said it again. Maybe sometimes when people are coming against you, you're going to have to say it the second time the truth without a sarcastic comeback. So we won't remember all of this. That's why we have to continually allow the Spirit of Jesus, that fruit of His Spirit of gentleness, to come out from us. We can't make ourselves be gentle. It comes from Him. So we respond, I told you this, so you give them the answer again. But notice the last phrase there. It says here, let these go their way. In other words, He's trying to be gentle to those that the others are gentle against 
Let others pass. Focus on me. It's all about me right now. If you've got a problem, you're coming to me. Let the others get, get gone. Now this goes on to say, or further down in the verse it says, So Jesus said to Peter, Put up your sword in the sheath. If you remember, because Peter ripped out his knife and he cut off the ear of that servant. He said, Put up your sword. I thought that was interesting. How many men, particularly men, but how many men today are locked up here on Oahu because they were trying to get their point across to another person or their wife or girlfriend or child and they weren't getting their point heard and so it went from words to sarcasm to biting words to anger to screaming. Of course, cursing is involved in there and then finally some physical violence where, like this week, a man sentenced to 30 years in jail because he bashed his girlfriend's head in with a shotgun, with the butt of a shotgun in the middle of a street in Kailua a bedroom community of Honolulu. Gentleness was long gone before them. Got to head it off at the pass. Goes on to say he then touched his ear and healed him. So even in the midst of all of this, it wasn't Jesus was kind of saying, okay, I'll be gentle, but if those that are on my team want to do my fighting for me, let them. I'm going to, you know, let those dogs out against those people. I won't do it because I'm gentle, but I'll let others do it. You're still responding to issue ungently. I think you know what we're saying. So, what about all this gentleness of the Lord? When I studied this about the Lord's gentleness, I came up with two great truths about God's gentleness. Would you look at them with me for a moment? The gentleness of the Lord could be seen in the Old Testament. First of all, it says, The Lord's gentleness made David great. It said twice in the Old Testament, same verse twice. Your gentleness, David is saying, God's gentleness, your gentleness, has made me great. Now, if you'll just pause for a moment. When I look at that, the Lord's gentleness has made me great, I could say this, the Lord's grace has made me great. The Lord's mercy has made me grace great. The Lord's kindness has made me great. Now, I don't want you to think about greatness of money and power and fame and all of that, but it had value to my life. It made me better, we might say. The Lord's... Now, if the Lord's gentleness could make David the warrior, the political leader, and the sinner great, then just think as a dad, if I'm filled with the fullness of God, which would include his gentleness, could I then make my kids great by allowing God's gentleness to come from him through me to them? Could it make my, my team better? Could it make my employee team better? Could it make the people who answer to me better? Whatever position of influence you are, could your gentleness, that is God's gentleness in you, make them great? I got thinking about that. That verse is huge. Especially if you've bought into the value that you want to live to add value to other people. If you're not there, if you're just going through life, you're putting in your time at church and want to get out of here so you can watch the ball game, this means hardly anything. In fact, it's frustrating you because I'm going so long and you want to get out of here. But the rest of us that are saying, I need everything that I can get because I need to conquer this thing of a quarrelsome spirit. Well, I need to give you the balance then. Because some of you think that all you see is Jesus sitting on, uh, with children sitting on his lap and that he didn't have a sense of firmness. Look at it again now in Isaiah 40, verse 10 and 11. It's the Lord's balance between strength and gentleness. Look at it. The Lord's balance. He was strong, but he was gentle. In two verses, side by side, look what it says. Behold, in other words, look, pay attention. 
The Lord God shall come with a strong arm or hand, and his arm shall rule for him. So circle the phrase strong hand. Now, that could be a person he sends, could be a leader, could be an influencer, but it's him doing it through other people, but that's the firmness of God. Then it goes on to say, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arms, and he'll carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. So you have the balance of a strong Lord who's strong on righteousness, a Lord who does have anger, biblical anger, and he will allow condemnation to come on those who are not responding properly to him. But with that is that gentle hand where he could pick up, pick up someone and put them in his bosom and gently take care of those that are hurting. So gentleness does not mean the absence necessarily of firmness. It means that it's the velvet-covered brick at times. Let's look at number four. Number four. What could I do to demonstrate gentleness? Pretty simple here. Number one, respond to situations and problems with kindness and grace provided by the Holy Spirit. I've said a lot about this already, so I don't need to park on this. And that is that for us to have that gentleness, it's not me making myself gentle it's allowing the Holy Spirit to make me gentle, but it's my choice to yield to Him. Now, pay attention, folks. I know your mind wants to wander right now. So many of us biblically know that in order for us to be gentle, we have to grab a hold of the Spirit, let the Spirit have a hold of us. But if we're trying to have that gentleness of the Spirit to come through us, you wonder, how come I'm crying unto the Spirit of God? Please give me your fruit. Please let that fruit of gentleness be inside of me. And it's not coming. Watch this, watch this. It's because while we're wanting that, the other part of our life is we're still hanging on to the philosophy of the world. We're still doing the same thing the world is doing. We carry on bitterness and greed and moral impurity. We're still playing around with our Bible. We're not doing all that God... We, this is a full surrender to His Lordship and the fullness of God taking over in our life. So it's not just us adding to our secular world system, our carnal, fleshy world, some bit of the fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't come that way. So it's responding to situations with grace and kindness provided by the Holy Spirit given to us when there's a full surrender to Him. The second is to evaluate a situation fairly and with meekness. Fairly and with meekness. It says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to heal, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. That might be a good verse for some of us to memorize and meditate on because it kind of puts gentleness in a great big pot there of great stuff that all comes together. But remember, it's coming from wisdom that's coming from above. So if I'm going to evaluate a situation fairly and meekly, then I'm not going to do it without... I'm not going to do it without gentleness, but I need to have his wisdom that's from above because I know that wisdom is going to be done this way. Number three, ask questions until all important information is understood. We saw that through the life of, of, of Jesus. He knew the answers already, but he was demonstrating questioning to help us to understand. Sometimes we get upset. We don't have the gentleness because we're already coming to a conclusion and a judgment before we have all the information. How many of you can say amen on that? That's what happens. We already form an opinion, a judgment, and we're already getting upset before we got all the information. It says it's the glory of God to conceal a man. In other words, God can, can, can keep stuff covered up. But the glory of kings is to search out a matter. We need to know. 
So ask more questions. Then finally provide direction, instruction, and correction without impatience or hostility. So when we are giving direction, correction, or instruction, be careful about impatience or even hostility and bitterness. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, apt to teach, and patient. We've studied that. Last question, and we'll end with this. Are there dangers in being gentle? Not if it is Holy Spirit influenced. I'll explain what I mean in a moment. If it's Holy Spirit influenced, then uh, there is no danger in being gentle. Unless you define, if I'm gentle by the Holy Spirit and I get taken advantage of, isn't that bad? No, it's not bad. The Lord is in control. Good will come from it. So realize that you can hide behind pseudo-gentleness to avoid confronting evil in someone's life. The reason I wanted to say that, because different people have different personality traits. Most of today, I think I've spoken to those that are the dominant, driving, determined people. Maybe because I'm so much a part of that. And I'm warning and cautioning myself how severely important this message is for me. But some of you that are wired with more of a phlegmatic personality, where you're steady, submissive, sweet, and kind, and for you, you're gentle all the time. In reality, that might be the way God has wired you, so we think that that must be you're spiritually mature. You're walking by means of the Spirit. No, that's a lot just the way God wired you for what you need to do in life. But the real truth is, is that often you're gentle on the outside because you don't want to be confrontational. And so you avoid all confrontation, but inside you're seething with anger, but you're able to kind of put it down. I don't want to cause problems. I don't want to get in trouble. I really don't, I don't want to confront. And so you stuff and you stuff and you stuff and you stuff. The problem with those type of personalities is, is that they're still trying to do it in the flesh. They're sin managing their lack of gentleness by stuffing it. Only that when there's finally that time that they, they, they can't con- control it any longer, there she blows. Okay? And so be very careful of those people that you think they're always so sweet, they're always so kind. You don't know them behind closed doors. You don't know the, the vile wickedness, the sewer that's inside of them as they're driving their car and what they're thinking about you with a smile on their face. And that's not gentleness either. That's just maybe easy sin management for their personality type. So can there be pseudo-gentleness? I think there can be. And so where are you with all of this? That's where I've got to back away from preaching now. And I've got to give you over to the Lord, to His grace and His Word and the Spirit of God. And I pray for you folks. I want you to pray for me and my gentleness, and my frustration factors and stuff like that. Because I want to model for you this. But I want you to model it too. And those of you who are going into leadership, Especially as I believe God is going to send revival here to this island, particularly in our church. I'm believing it. We've got to be ready for it with humility and a gentle spirit. Those of you who are our guests here today, everything that I'm saying, you probably are saying pretty much, Amen, I, I agree, we need to be gentle. But you will never have the fullness of the gentleness of Christ until you accept Christ as your Savior. And I want you to know that God is so gentle with you. He says, I love you just the way you are. Yes, you're a sinner. You've told lies. You've stolen things. You had misplaced anger. You're bitter against people. Non-forgiving. 
You've been morally impure in your thought life and maybe even you're doing it now. And he says, but I love you and I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to be gentle with you right now by taking all your sin on myself. And when I die, I'm going to satisfy that sin payment by my blood to my heavenly Father, God. And he says, all I ask in return is that you believe that I am God and that I love you and I took all your sin on myself, all your lack of gentleness, everything, every sin, past, present, future, on me. And now I'm going to give you my forgiveness. And with my forgiveness, I'm going to come and live inside of you with my gentle spirit. And I'm going to help you be all that I intended you to be. But you now have the choice. Do you want a gentle shepherd? Do you want a gentle Jesus? May I warn you that he is also one with a strong arm. That if you do not trust Christ to save you, not only are you underneath his condemnation, but you will feel the full fury of his wrath after you die. And gently I want to tell you, Jesus says he didn't come into the world to condemn you, but that through him you could be saved. So simply come to him as you are, a sinner, without any thought of being good or gentle to get you into heaven, but your full faith in Christ for the full forgiveness of sin. Would you do that right now? Let's pray, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, in just a moment, I'd like to give a time of silence to these dear ones so each one can have an intimate, personal, alone time with you in this crowded room. And for those, Father, who do not know you as their personal Savior, they have not trusted in you alone, they have not received the full forgiveness of sin, Father, I pray that right now they are experiencing the conviction of the Spirit, that you love them, and at the same time they're pained for their sin. And they want to do business with you to receive that forgiveness and a new life in you and heaven is their home. Now friend, I'm going to be quiet and I'd like you to simply say this to the Lord. Lord, I'm a sinner. I know I've done things wrong, but the best in a how, I'm going to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. He's gently wooing you to Him right now. Please respond by your faith in Him. Now, if you're doing that, I'd like to pray for you. So I'm going to ask you in a moment to slope up your hand. Now, raising your hand won't get you to heaven. Me praying for you won't get you to heaven. But it's me praying for you, welcoming you into God's forever, eternal, heavenly faith family. Is there anyone in here now with a humble heart, a gentle heart, saying, Lord, I'm so grateful. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for giving to me eternal life. Thank you for withholding your hand of wrath against me and my sin. Thank you for giving me a new life in you and home and heaven is my new home. All right. However you want to say that to the Lord and you'd like for me to pray for you with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, would you slip up your hand right now? Is there anyone in here that would indicate to me that you're trusting Christ in here today? Anyone at all? Okay, as I continue my prayer, our gracious Heavenly Father, I pray for the rest of us who knows you as Savior, who have already experienced your gentleness, and for us the pain of our lack of gentleness, our contentious spirit, our quarrelsome nature. We are so sorry. We are so sorry because we've hurt you. 
We've disobeyed you. We've dishonored you. We've hurt other people. We have hindered your work on this earth in some measure. And so, Lord, we're asking for that forgiveness that you promised to give to us. So, Lord, we're saying right now, we are asking. We are sinners. And we ask you to give us the full forgiveness now, not to go to heaven, but a new restoration in your intimacy. Give us the strength now to return to the person we most recently acted in a quarrelsome, harsh way. And give us the grace to go to them in a humble way to ask their forgiveness. And to try to make up for it. And then, Lord, remind us through your word and spirit what we've heard here today so that we will become like you, a gentle shepherd of our family, of our friends, of our ministry, of our employment, of our classmates, of our team. Help us, Father. Father, thank you for being there to do just that. It is in your name. And for your glory, we pray. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Make it clear.